0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And, uh, I thought, pardon me, I thought I would share shared this morning, uh, Saturday, I think it was, uh, Chris Sutton came in the side door over here just beside himself. And he said, Pastor, I just got to tell you something. And his right eye for 64 years, virtually not really had seen hardly anything out of that right eye for 64 years. And he said, just the other day, he says, I'm catching glimpses of stuff in my peripheral vision on my right eye and he was just like i had to come by and tell you he and he said Stan, he had me stand over there and he covered up his one eye and he says i i, I you're not totally clear but i see you over there and so we want to thank the lord and just pray the promise to pass amen amen so he's absolutely excited about it. i couldn't i couldn't even begin i mean for 64 years If you had something like that happen to you, You you'd be excited too. That's exactly right. Be excited. Amen about that. Hallelujah. We have a baptism today. Uh, Abigail McBroom is going to be baptized this morning in Jesus' name. And she has uh, just all of her family here to be able to amen celebrate in this celebration. And so we have people here from Tennessee today, people here a person from Nebraska. And so they've just come in from far. Yeah, that's not why I chose the book of Isaiah. It's spelled differently anyway. So nonetheless, but we're glad to have everybody that's here far and wide. And I don't even know how uh, FAC Maryville is operating today without without some of the people that's missing from there today. He's probably doing stuff by proxy. I, I probably got calls and such, but. I apologize, Pastor Carpenter, publicly. Isaiah 33 and verse number 7 and just a few verses down. The Bible says, Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste, the wayfaring man ceaseth. He hath broken the covenant. He hath despised the cities. He regardeth no man. The earth mourneth and languisheth. Lebanon is ashamed and hewn down. Sharon is like a wilderness, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. So there's just a passage here of some things that have just totally broken down and dilapidated in anguish and despair. And then there is the Lord saying He will rise and He will lift Himself up. Verse 8 even says that the highways lie waste. For a little while this morning, and I don't know, this, this wasn't meant to be a New Year's Day sermon of, you know, sometimes we try to be thematic and, and uh, pull things around uh, to go along with holidays and things of that nature. But this may still uh, be a point of identity, maybe perhaps for someone from last year to this year. I want to minister this today. Broken roads lead somewhere. Broken roads lead somewhere. Yeah. A lot of times we avoid them. A lot of times maybe they're, they are put off where maybe perhaps no one should travel them. But that doesn't negate the fact that they still lead somewhere. Amen. So I want to preach to someone that maybe has dealt with broken roads from 2022 and tell you that they lead still somewhere. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you today. God I sense your presence Lord Jesus here in this service God I pray Lord you can take the meager efforts Lord of just human flesh God and you can just amplify and magnify your spirit God I pray Lord through even an earthen vessel today God minister to a heart to a soul strengthen God I pray God light, bring an encouragement come alongside someone today Lord hope I pray God could be ministered Lord in this place God will not fail to thank you and Lord, appreciate you and acknowledge you, God, for what you accomplished, Lord, through your word. It's a ever living word. God, it's a true word. God, we accept it as so today in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. And the church say amen. Amen. And you may be seated this morning in Jesus name. Broken roads lead somewhere. America. Your country, the United States has more than 4 million miles of public roadways. The American Society of Civil Engineers gauges and suggests through their studies that 43% of those roadways are in poor condition or mediocre condition whether it be falling shoulders that are either on the left or the right of the road, potholes, of course, that we've all encountered from time to time, cracked pavement, even on other roads, even to the degree in some places of sinkholes that are on the roads. They estimate that the cost of repairing such roads would require about $560 billion, that is with a B, billion to repair all these roads that are in such horrid conditions. As a matter of fact, it was the poor condition of roads that inspired what we have and know today as the interstate highway system. Because of the inadequacies of the roads years ago, it resulted in longer travel times. And, and President Dwight D. Eisenhower supported such a system of an interstate system all across America because when he was just a young man, Uh, In 1919, he was enlisted in the Army of the United States of America, and as an officer, he had the responsibility of traveling from one coast of America to the other coast of America, and it took him 62 days in order to make the trip. And so today we have this interstate highway system that accounts for the interstates themselves for 14,000 miles of road, As a matter of fact, our interstates, many of which that have traveled on them, um, hopefully, I hope you're still not taking the secondary roads. But nonetheless, one quarter of all vehicles and their traveling in a year happens on the interstate highways. And so the abundance of poor road conditions and the tragedy of poor road conditions have really in our age become a metaphor for writers and songwriters alike broken roads are a metaphor even for life we understand what it it's like to deal with broken roads whenever we start talking about personal heartache and personal sickness and injury and perhaps disappointment and missed opportunities we label that under the umbrella of Broken roads. We understand as people that's a part of the fabric of humanity what broken roads are. For that matter, some of us would even testify and say that if, if we did not have broken roads, we probably wouldn't have no roads at all. If it wasn't for sickness and disease and injury and disappointment, we probably would not have any roads at all in our life. All of the ingresses and egresses of our life often need repair. It almost matches that 50-50 reality of natural roads that I just spoke of. Our lives many times are subject to, if you will, falling shoulders, potholes. Conditions, if you will, where the surface is compromised and you can't get much traction. It's challenging. As a society, we assume very quickly in our world that there's this sense of hopelessness that comes with the brokenness of our lives. We measure our condition as maybe being too bad for repairs. Uh, There's just been too much happen on this journey or in this particular area of my life for anything good to come out of that for anything prosperous or for anything notable, amen, to to surface out of that. It's just too bad for repairs. Some of us want to just put the caution tape over that particular road in our life and say that can't be traveled. Uh, that, that's a road that leads to nowhere. That's a road that is not even connected to death. Uh, Destiny, and it seems that we'll put the dead end there. It's a dead end. And so we leave it untraveled. We leave it untracked. However, we must remember that a road is more than just the asphalt and the tar or the concrete or whatever it may be made of or the gravel. A road is a journey. A road is a link between two points. It may be the pathway between where you presently are and where you desire to be. Uh, For years, Sister McGee and I had traveled the roads and still yet extensively travel the roads of the United States and I cannot tell you the number of times that we have come upon construction zones and they've taken three and four lane or even maybe two lane roads and they've narrowed it down just to one lane because the condition is just so bad they're having to resurface and pull up asphalt lay back down asphalt and someone might begin to think in their mind why in the world do they even keep that thing open why don't they just close it altogether?" and we know would be a logistical nightmare. But they at all costs at least keep one road open. One lane open of a broken road. Because it still leads to somewhere. It's not that broken roads can't be traveled. And it's not that they're not difficult to travel. And there may even be other routes to travel. But it may be the most direct route to where you need to go. For that matter it may be the only route to where you need to go. And so while that is true and broken roads are challenging to navigate and while they can cause damage to vehicles and while it does cost money to repair them and it can be expensive and while a traveler on them must travel slower, they still lead somewhere. Several years ago, evangelizing, Don and I was over in the eastern part of Kentucky Among all the coal mining communities over there where Virginia and West Virginia and Kentucky. Everything just comes together. The state lines all over there. And most roads that you travel in that area are already secondary roads. And uh, you're traveling there and there's coal trucks. And and they have roads over there that are called no-fault roads. That if anything happens on that road for insurance companies, nobody's at fault. Because it's just a bad road. And so we were traveling from there one time on our way to Ohio. And uh, we were using, we didn't have GPS, we didn't have a Garmin, we didn't have an iPhone. We had the Randy McNally Atlas that I've seen my mother-in-law put up several different times talking about traveling the old days. That's what we had. And we were figuring out our best route to go from there to Ohio. And there was this one road that appeared as though it went over the mountain rather than around the mountain. It looked like the quickest route, the shortest route. That was going to be our route. Because I'm interested in getting there as quick as possible, the shortest route. And so we started traveling from eastern Kentucky, and we came to the road. At that time, the only thing we had was our dually truck. We came to the road. We turned right on it. We didn't even get a quarter mile into that road. That both tires of my dually truck was on each side of the ditch of the full width of the road and it looked part asphalt, part gravel and part I don't know what else, roadkill probably but nonetheless, it was just a broken road and I backed back down that road and then we took the route that went around the mountain rather than over the mountain and I remember being a little frustrated about that because I want to make the quickest route to Ohio and I remember saying quite specifically why in the world do they have that thing even on the map because even a broken road leads to somewhere Isaiah describes the condition of his time. The Bible says that the highway lie waste. The wayfaring man ceaseth. Other versions of the Bible say it like this, that the highways are deserted or the highways are dangerous. Some interpret it as the highway shall be broken down or your roads lie in ruins. Isaiah is describing Judah as dealing with some broken roads. The condition of the roads had impacted anyone from traveling upon them. No people were on the streets because they were broken. They were dangerous roads due to advancing armies on their terrain and on their land. They were compromised roads as a result of that. The Bible tells us according to the history of these verses that the invasion of Syria had broken down the roads. The same roads that people would oftentimes frequent and be upon that the people of Judah would travel from place to place that were heavily traveled were now constantly occupied by the enemy armies. And so the Assyrian Empire had threatened Judah and God had promised to help them. But to their disappointment, Judah, rather than seeking the help of God, sought the help of Egypt. And God had told them, he said, Egypt is no country, is no individual to make an alliance with. He said, Egypt is such a one, it's like a broken reed. If you were to lean upon it, it would go into your hand and pierce your hand. It's not one that you should find comfort from. And so therefore, Assyria continued to make inroads into the land of Judah. Their presence did not come without consequence The Bible tells us that Hezekiah, king at the time, struck a deal with the Assyrians. He's trying to sway away their attacks. He's trying to avoid more invasive tactics into his land. As a matter of fact, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, had overtaken the fortified cities of Judah. And Hezekiah wanted to prevent anything else from happening. He's thinking in his mind that if this king can come upon our land and tear down fence cities and fortified walls of cities, what else could he do? I can't allow this to happen. Our roads are already broken down. There's many things that are being impacted by this. i got to prevent this from taking place. And the Bible says this, if you'll allow me to read some scripture today, in 2 Kings 18, that recounts the story. It says in verse 13, now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them? And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, "I have offended. Return from me that which thou puttest on me. Will I bear?" In other words, Hezekiah is saying, "Just tell me whatever you want." and I'll give it to you tell me what the price is and I'll bear it in order for you to leave my land and the king of Assyria appointed to Hezekiah king of Judah 300 talents of silver 30 talents of gold and Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord in the treasures of the king's house to the degree verse 16 at the time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord from the pillars which Hezekiah king of Judah had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria Hezekiah and Judah the nation of Israel found themselves in such a horrible place that he wasn't happy of course with the invasion he wasn't happy of course with the condition of the people the condition uh, of the fortified walls with the armies in the land he wasn't satisfied with the broken roads if I could say and the cost and the number of them that were severely damaged and the repairs that would be overwhelming to do he wasn't satisfied with all of that for that matter the people had even stopped traveling the roads because of the brokenness of the roads and so hezekiah just says to the king of assyria he says name the price and i'll pay it just how much will it cost in order for this brokenness to end just just tell me the price tag just tell me what i got to pay in order to get things back to normal just tell me what I got to pay that I can find that place of origin where you know it's puffy clouds again and I feel good again and my emotions are not all over the map again just tell me the price whatever it is to end these brokenness and these broken roads and yet the Bible says the price from Assyria that they wanted of Hezekiah was really more than what Hezekiah could spend alone the Bible says that he gave all the silver of the king's house he gave them all the the silver that was in the house of the Lord to the degree the Bible says that he was cutting off gold cutting gold off the temple doors for the purpose that if I can pay this then they'll stop trampling my roads if I can pay this then I won't have to worry about another broken down wall if I can pay this I don't have to worry about my emotions if you will being compromised about all of this all over again but the fact of the matter was this folks that Hezekiah had reached a very dangerous impact Past because he was willing to cut gold off the doors of the temple just to escape a broken road. He was willing to, if you will, devalue the house of God just for the purpose of escaping another broken road. He says, I'll bear the cause. When I do this, the heartache will leave. When I do this, the losses will be over. When I do this, the disappointment will no longer knock on my door. It But I'm here to tell somebody this morning, the answer to the brokenness and the answer to the broken roads is not devaluing the house of God that's in your life. The answer is not to avoid the road. The answer is not found in some ridiculous agreement with an adversary. I understand today there's some things we just would rather not go through. We would rather not face. We wish we never experienced. But the fact of the matter is making a compromise, making a deal, that's not what's gonna cure it. Sometimes you just got to travel the broken road because it leads to somewhere. Isaiah says, He hath broken the covenant in verse 8. The he he is referencing is Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. He hath broken the covenant. You know what he's referring to? He's referring to this deal that he made with Sennacherib. You tell me whatever the cost. I'll pay it. You'll leave. You won't invade. You won't come further in the cities. You won't break anything else. That's what he's referring to. So, you broke the covenant. I paid you the silver. I paid the gold. I devalued the house of God in my life. I made made a contract with my adversary. I exhausted all my means, amen, all of this grandeur for the purpose of you leaving and getting back some repairs so I wouldn't have another broken road, but the Bible says after the deal, after the gold was paid, after the silver was paid, guess what happened? Sennacherib didn't turn his tail and run and go in the other direction, he still, he came destroyed cities, he destroyed other roads and here is Hezekiah he's been hoodwinked because he made a bargain with his adversary that was not kept and he thought he could sidestep broken roads by such a covenant but it didn't happen what are you preaching today? Brother McGee I'm preaching this don't devalue your house of God Because if the adversary says he'll leave you alone after that, he's still going to bother you. If you think you ain't going to face no more heartache, if you had just let up here, guess what? Whether you're in church or out of church, there's heartache. Whether you're in church or out of church, you're gonna experience loss. Whether you're in church or out of church, you're gonna have disappointment. Whether you're in church or out of church, you're gonna be at a hospital bed somewhere. It doesn't matter. There's broken roads whether you're in it or whether you're out of it. The difference is that you have somebody to walk the road with you. Even in a state of brokenness, they lead you can't throw up your hands and cast all of this aside. Amen. I know some had twenty, twenty-two broken roads and I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news but somebody's gonna have a broken road this year. But the fact is this, it's going somewhere. Don't discount it. Don't cast it aside. It's... The answer... To the brokenness is again not, not cutting the precious off the holy it's not we, we get desperate sometimes let's strike a deal with the adversary the enemy if I do this you do that like we serve ultimatums on both sides we do it with God and we do it with the adversary you do this and I'll do that and I feel this morning the Holy Ghost Someone needs to hear emphatically though that your answer to your broken road is not ignoring it. Someone say amen. Your answer to your broken road is that you need to climb up on that road however cracked however much the shoulder is falling off and eroding away however many potholes are scattered and you need to walk you need to walk your broken road because if you had never walk that broken road you'll never find out where it led to If, anybody te- if your adversary tells you, I'll stop if you do this, you've been deceived. Mm-hmm. You've been deceived. If they ever tell you, if you pay enough, you know, because sometimes that's what we think we got to do with our broken roads. I'm at fault here. I, I got to suffer enough. And our suffering is our payment then. For all of this. Goop law in life, right? If we take it all this very... If I'd done better, if I did this, I'd done that. Maybe part of that is true. But sometimes we let the pendulum swing to the opposite end and we want to assume all fault for the brokenness of our roads. Uh It's like if I can pay enough, you know, if I suffer enough and I just feel bad enough. No, 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 no. You're just going to have to walk... The road. It's difficult to hear what Isaiah says in verse number seven. It's difficult to hear, but Isaiah says that the valiant ones would cry. Valiant. The word valiant there. It, it is interpreted in the original language of the Greek that these are the lions of God. The lions of God. In other words, for modern day terminology, would be this: the heroes. The heroes. Are crying. The heroes are weeping bitterly. Isaiah is saying the conditions are so bad that those that we usually look to as the stellar people, the the ones that just rise above it all, that when everything's you know when the buildings fall and they're running toward it not away, the heroes. The lions of God are even weeping bitterly in the streets because of the the condition of the brokenness all around them. Because here's the fact. Broken roads, yes, they they affect the rich and the poor. Broken roads, damaged roads impact the spiritual and the carnal. Amen. Amen. It impacts both. It influences the young and the old. Even the heroes. Amen. The Isaiah speaking of scripture. Even these that we think they've never faced a bad day. You know, it's like they have superpowers. They're, they're the greatest of the great. He says even the heroes are shedding a tear. Because they're dealing with the same broken road. That the common man, as we would see it, is dealing with. And it's not a pretty picture around Jude. It's not a pretty picture around Jerusalem. The Bible says, if you skip on down to verse number nine, it tells us the condition of the land. It says Lebanon. Lebanon, which was a place typically and usually filled with grand cedar and fir trees. That's the reason why when you see the building, of the temple or Solomon's house, they're all the time getting timber from Lebanon. They're having cedars shipped in and they're having fir shipped in. Because... Because it's a land of timber and trees and, and cedars and firs. But the Bible says Lebanon is hewn down. What's it meaning? Its trees have been laid flat. These, these these notable expensive woods have been laid flat in the forest. He says these other things concerning the land, that Sharon, which was a typically very rich and very fertile area of ground for producing harvest, that Sharon is a wilderness. She's barren. That seems like there's no fruitfulness. Nothing's growing there. It's barren here and there. This is all because of the armies and the invasion and the brokenness of life and the brokenness of roads and the brokenness of what they were experiencing. He said the fruits of Bashan and Carmel, they're all shaken down. Everything is dilapidated. Everything is fallen. All that we see on every hand is brokenness, brokenness. Isaiah says, I see a scene of brokenness. There's no hope even among the heroes. And if things didn't get better, Hezekiah says, well, I guess I'm going to have to sacrifice the temple preciousness for it. And that even didn't cure it. It's horrid. It's a nightmare. Right? So no one wants to continue. You know, I can handle a few miles of broken road. Right? You know, you're in your car and you're weaving to the left and you're weaving to the right. And you're trying to miss the trouble spots. But you hit it a few times. The tire goes down. The whole suspension system. You're jarred. I can't handle a few miles, but it's like, you know, you ever found out that the right lane just sometimes is broken down? You're like, I'm going to go in the left lane, although I know you're only supposed to be there if you're going faster than everybody. But you're saying, I want to travel there because that is just so broken. So we can all handle maybe a mile or two of brokenness, but somewhere along the way, it's like, man, is this ever going to change? Things were at such a stage for Isaiah and Hezekiah, yet the Bible says in verse number 10, Isaiah has been talking to us. But now the voice of God comes to us in these verses. He says, now, everybody say now. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. Wait a minute. I've read now for verses. I've read for verses. He rose in bad condition. Roads are bad condition. The wilderness where it used to be fruitful is there. I've read about trees being, Lord, I'm reading all this heartache, all this despair. And out of the middle of all this now, the spirit of the Lord rises up and says, Now will I rise? Now will I be exalted? Now will I be lifted up? What has happened? All of this brokenness, this broken road, if you will, has led us to the now. All of everything being broken down and torn and dilapidated had led us to the now of him rising, being exalted and lifting himself up. If I could say it like this, God is meeting his people in their mess. God is meeting his people on their broken road. If I can state it like this this morning, you want to know where every broken road leads to. You want to know the destiny of every broken road. You want to know the destiny of every hardship, of everything that didn't go as you planned. You want to know where it leads? It leads to a now of the Savior arising, of him being exalted, of him stepping into your life and into your situation and into your brokenness but you gotta walk it to get to the now you gotta go through the wilderness to get to the now you gotta go through the brokenness you gotta go to the hewn down forest to get to the broken roads lead to him I've noted many times that the sense of what's going on around me then becomes a sense and a condition of what happens to me. Meaning that the brokenness that I experience becomes the brokenness that I become. Uh-huh. And scripture says whenever he dealt with David and his sin and his transgression of Psalms 51 and verse number 17, what he spoke to David was that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God, that will not despise. Have you been broken here lately because the roads are broken? Has your spirit been crushed because your force has been hewn down? Have you been a little frustrated and overwhelmed? Have you been a hero weeping bitterly because you're dealing with an unfruitful field? Honey, the moment that your spirit breaks, God says, I can't despise that. Now will I arise. Now will I exalt myself. Now... Because broken roads lead to the Lord. And though broken roads exist, and though, here's the fact, they will always exist. And they'll deteriorate. And some, because of their condition, will leave them untraveled. Do not remove your mind from the fact that they lead somewhere. Honestly, there isn't a road to nowhere. Now, you can look it up. It's North Carolina. They have something called a road to some smart aleck out there. There's a road to nowhere, thus it's called. But when you get to the end of it, it's still somewhere. So, in essence, there is really, truly no road to nowhere. No matter how wrecked, no matter how obscure, you can stand with me. They lead somewhere. So what's it been for you? Disappointment? Mischance? Divorce? Dysfunction? Sickness? What's it been for you? It's leading somewhere. We want to take more time and I won't. God bless you. We would survey the Tamars and the Bathshebas and the Rahabs, Right? the roots of the genealogy of Jesus Christ who some were women of ill repute others couldn't have any children with some of the sons of one and then posed as a prostitute and slept with her father-in-law and had a child broken roads broken roads but as I read Matthew chapter number 1 there she is Some were the Moabitists that were part of a pagan clan of people and only by virtue of a man and his wife leaving Bethlehem Judah when there was famine to go to Moab. Moab, would there ever be a connection to their family that one day would bring them back to Bethlehem Judah? So that that girl would say to her mother-in-law, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. No husband, no lamb per se now, and a pagan lady, broken roads. But as I read Matthew chapter number one, there she is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Because broken roads lead somewhere. So I urge someone today, if we can just bow our heads across this building. Because I know God has touched the hearts of some because I know and I've, I read faces the moment that I spoke a few words before I ever preached. I've seen faces connect with what I said. I urge somebody today. Please don't give up. And please don't don't try to finagle an alternate route. Because as much as you may try to discount this in your own mind, this broken road is for you. I urge you to just, just travel it despite the tricky parts. And I urge you, please don't abandon it altogether. Because it's leading you somewhere. And as hard as it is for some of us to even begin to (sighs) accept this road, this may be the road necessary to access your God-given destiny. Contrary to what we may think, even even dead ends lead to something. Even dead ends lead to somewhere. Streets with a cul de sac at the end, that's still somewhere. Broken roads. These altars are open today. And I know, as I said, I know there's been at least a couple people that's connected with what I said today. And I'm telling you, sir or ma'am, just walk that road. Yeah, your pace may have to be a little slower because of conditions, but just walk that road. And I know we would like to somehow come to a contract table and just contract all of the ills away, contract all of the negative away. Just let it disappear and subside. But this road's made for you. Travel it till you're now. Travel it to the moment of him arising and being lifted up and exalting himself in the middle of your brokenness, your wilderness, or whatever it may be. I guarantee you he'll meet you there. Your road is leading somewhere. Hallelujah. Can we just talk to the Lord right now all across this place? Somebody has dealt with a broken road of 2022 and they're not yet come to the end of it. And this is the first day of another year and they're questioning in the back of their mind when, when is this thing going to even out? When is this going to get more smooth? Just keep traveling, sir. Keep traveling, ma'am. I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult. Don't, don't try to make any bargaining chip. Don't, don't devalue the things that are truly precious in your life, like God and His. Don't devalue those things for the purpose of thinking thou make it all better. No, no, your adversary's lying to you. It, it won't. It won't change it. You're just going to have to travel it. You're going to have to travel it, sir, ma'am. You're going to have to travel it. You, you might have to deal with that sickness a little longer. You might have to deal with aloneness a little bit longer. You're going to have to travel it, but it's going to lead somewhere. It's going to lead somewhere. Brother Mason, let's talk to the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.